Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie Moon. So you've failed at something you've been working very, very hard to accomplish. Or you failed at something that you didn't work that hard to accomplish, but yet it still really hurts. Or you failed at something that you didn't care that much about, but your parents really, really cared about it. I get it. From childhood, we are taught to avoid risk. We are taught to avoid putting ourselves in situations where we could get hurt. This was such a kind and loving thing of our society and our parents and our friends to help us navigate because pain doesn't feel all that great. At the same time, as adults, we lack tools for learning how to navigate this pain, how to navigate rejection and failure and not take it so personally. On top of all this, when we're raised in a perfectionist society where everything needs to be done right and not wrong, there's this additional pressure to do everything correctly and to win and to get A pluses and to appear perfect to our peers, to be perfect to ourselves, to our parents. And this kind of immense pressure makes risk really daunting. It makes failure really painful because we've learned how to almost intertwine perfectionism with our identity. For anyone that has struggled with body image in their life, you know that your food choices very often can sneak up on you and get intertwined with your morality. Oh, I ate good, so I'm a good person, or I ate bad, I'm a bad person, I need to pay for my sins and go work out for two hours, or I need to make sure tomorrow I eat perfectly clean, no salt, no sodium, no sugar, no nothing to make up for today's dinner, you know, those kind of thoughts. The same thing can happen in our lives when it comes to going out to accomplish a task, create a project, get a date. And when we hear no, when we get rejected, when we see a C instead of an A, or when we see other people got the part in the play instead of us, we take it very, very personally because who we are, our identity is intertwined with our successes and our failures. And this is what I want us to focus on distancing ourselves from. 
eventually breaking ourselves away from. And in order to break away from this, we're going to have to break it open. You are going to have to look at the things in your life that in a sense are either, you could say, idols. You worship them. You worship your social status, your ability to climb up the corporate ladder and make more money, your ability to look like a masculine woman that's got everything taken care of and doesn't need a man to take care of her. What do you find often is controlling how you feel about yourself? Because that very thing, if it's not perfect, if it's not going according to plan, and your identity is mixed up in it, failure is going to hurt so bad. Not to say it's not going to hurt. If your identity is separate from it, it still will hurt. And I'm all about feeling the feelings. But it won't become such a life-shattering, identity-crushing experience. You will be able to take a step back and take a bird's-eye view of what is happening and saying, okay, So I am a spirit having this human experience of failing this test or not getting this person out on a date, right? And I feel a lot of emotions right now. I feel frustrated. I feel angry. I feel sad. I feel regret for even going after it. All these different things may come up and that is expected. That is fine. The difference though between that and the experience of, oh my gosh, I failed or this person didn't say yes to going on a date. I am a shitty person. I am a terrible person. No one likes me. I'm not deserving of enjoying the rest of my weekend. I am not deserving of the love of my friends and families. I'm not deserving of the love of myself you see how different those two reactions are one is more of curiosity and observing oh this happened the other one is more self-sabotaging it's saying okay I didn't make this project happen in my life or I didn't succeed in making this happen and it's all my fault and I'm not deserving of self-love anymore when in reality there's something so much bigger taking place When you fail at something and you blame yourself and you think it's all about you and the only reason why you failed is because you didn't do this enough or you're not good enough, you're basically saying, universe, God, you had no part in this. I did all of this. You have no plan. I'm the one that's 110% responsible for what just happened and therefore I am a screw up. I messed up. When what actually happened is that a lot of different moving pieces are being put into action that you cannot see. If you have failed at a test, there is something there that is much bigger than you. Much, It's way beyond just you. And I'm not trying to have this ridiculously positive outlook on failure, but I will admit that when failure happens, when rejection happens, I do believe that it is a form of God's protection. And you may be wondering, all right, well, I failed at this test. How in the world could there be all these big moving pieces and and I'm just a part of the part of the puzzle, blah, blah, blah. Well, when you think about it, there's a lot of different things that are happening beyond just what you can control. What you can control is the answers that you circle, but you cannot always control how clear your brain is that day or the direction and the path that you're really on. That's bigger than what you know. So you may be thinking, all right, I am meant to have this career. And if I do not pass this test, then it's my fault. I didn't, I'm not enough. I didn't study enough. Um, I am a failure. But 
Though you cannot see it, there is another plan bigger than yours. And that's what I mean by saying that there's oftentimes a lot of moving pieces happening is that there's a really big plan happening. There's a really big plan that could involve living in a different place than you live now, having a different career that's much more suited to your gifts and your talents, having a partner that's like the partner of your dreams that you're going to meet in this place that you're going to move to for this other career that has nothing to do with this test you just took. Now, if your heart is set on something you just failed and you're like, Madeline, there might be a bigger plan to why I failed this, but this is what I want. I don't want anything else. This is what I want. I will be honest with you that it's not that you cannot have this. It is not that this thing that you're wanting to create in your life, this job you're wanting to have, it's not that you cannot have it and it's not that it's not meant for you. But sometimes we have lessons we need to learn before we are ready for these big tasks. And sometimes it could be that the universe is saying, hey, I don't want this for you. There's a bigger plan, a better plan, and I just need you to surrender to go and go with the flow so I can take you there. And other times it can be, hey, you have this failure in your life because there's more to learn. There's more work to do. And you're going to get there. I just want you to stay focused and keep going. So how do you know the difference? We'll get into that today. So rewind a little bit. Obviously today I'm talking about what to do, how to go about failure. If you have failed at something big, something you really cared about, now what? So that's what I want to go into. Um, The first thing that I'm going to share is that this beautiful quote that I love. No experience is ever wasted if you learn something. Never, ever wasted. You may be exhausted. You may be tired. You may have very, you may have negative thoughts going on in your head about the whole experience and being frustrated and that's okay. That's welcome. That's welcome. I asked a question in my Facebook, the Mind Body Musings podcast tribe Facebook group. And I said, hey, what do y'all want a Facebook Live about? And I got quite a few different topics. And one of them was about failure. And I may still do a Facebook Live on this to answer questions live on it, but I thought this would be a really great podcast topic. So what she had said is that she's confused on how to deal and navigate failure. Because when you fail at something you really care about, it has a way of lowering your self-worth and your self-esteem when your identity is tied up with it. Of course, it's basically like happiness. You know, happiness is based on external circumstances. I got, uh, if I I got a thousand dollar check in the mail, I would be happy, right? But it's different from joy. Joy you can have at any point of your life, at any time, no matter what is going on. Joy is the lens you are seeing the world and happiness is circumstantial. So, your identity and your self-worth being high or low, if it is intertwined, when I say intertwined, I mean if it is the same, if it is the same as your success, if your identity is the rate of which you are succeeding at a project or at life, which is very subjective, then yes, you're going to find your emotions up and down all the time because you're not seeing the beauty in you just being You're not seeing yourself as a separate entity from your actions and your choices and your life circumstances. You are seeing your identity as your life circumstances. Oh, I got this career. 
so I'm an amazing person. Oh, I have this career. I'm a terrible person. I have low self-worth, low self-esteem because this is the job I am working right now. Let me, let me let you in on a secret. You are no more worthy of joy, of love, of rest, of peace, of all these beautiful qualities that make up you. You're no more worthy of that or less worthy depending on what career you have, what partner you have, what life choices you have made. You are worthy simply because you are a gift. You are a gift. You are a gift from the universe. You are a gift to the universe. You're here for a reason. And the reason is not to have a whole bunch of boxes to check off and a whole bunch of accomplishments to succeed in. You are here for more than that. I work with a lot of women and they come to me with very similar concerns as what this woman said, on, said to me on my Facebook group. So what her example was, I failed my bar exams for the second time while I worked really hard to succeed. It made me feel so bad about myself like I can't achieve anything at all. I decided to pass it again. But my morale is very low. I can't stop comparing myself to others who in my eyes have already succeeded much more. So I, first off, I so feel, I so feel for you. I so, so feel for you. This is very painful. And I want you to acknowledge that pain. I would never want to encourage you to fight that and to say, it's okay, it all happens for a reason. Don't be sad, move on, just get back on your horse. Stop looking at other people. We are humans, you are a human. You're, well, you're a spirit having a human experience, but the human experience you're having right now is, is uh, low morale, like you said, and comparison. Like I was saying earlier, though, there is a bigger, bigger plan. I work with a lot of women who have the same concern, the same fears. I'm 30, and this is where I am. I'm 30, and I live at my parents' house. I'm 35, and I'm just getting started on my career. I'm 27, and everyone is married and has at least one child. I am 20, and I... I don't work with 20 years, so I don't know about that. Never mind. I am 40, and I feel like I haven't gotten the self-love thing figured out yet, right? It just, there's so, so much to compare. Why is that? Because all you're comparing yourself to, and what I'm hearing, is the circumstances you're seeing in other people. So for you, my lovely friend who posted about this bar exams, what you're comparing in this example is they have passed, you have not. But what you do not see and what you do not know is, are they happy? Are they doing this? Did they pass this test because it's what they want or is it because it's what their father wanted for them? Yeah, sure, they passed the test, but are they immensely depressed? Sure, they passed the test, but are they in a job they actually want? Is it bringing them any joy, any happiness? Do they see the beauty in their being? You see, with or without money, with or without a career, with or without a partner, with or without living in the state of your dreams, no one can ever take away from you your appreciation and your self-love, your appreciation for beingness. When your identity is intertwined with these things, I have passed, I have not passed. 
you are not going to be happy and you are not going to feel fulfilled. Your life is on pause until it happens. But the sad thing is for so many of us, even when we get this thing we've worked so hard for, there's another thing right after it that's waiting to be accomplished. It never ends. So even though you're th- you may be thinking to yourself, okay, yes, I get that. I get there's, that perfectionism is this never-ending hamster wheel. But, but I promise once I pass this test, then I will, then I will have this major life-changing event happen and I will find it easier to appreciate my beingness. But until this, I have to, I have to make sure I get this and, and, then, and then I will really be there and, and then I'll go easy on myself. That's not how it works. It's not how, how it happens. We like to think that's how it happens, but it never, ever is. Being able to appreciate your beingness starts now. It starts before you have been able to pass this. Your morale may be very low because you may be seeing yourself as a success or a failure based on the success or failure of this test. But that's all that this is. It is a test. And you know what? We pass and fail tests depending on many different things. Sometimes we just have anxiety and we cannot think straight. We cannot think clearly. And it's a terrible time to have anxiety when you've been studying for a test for years and years and years and years. But it happens because we are human and we have a certain amount of control, but we don't have all of the control. And you have to have grace for yourself. Having grace for yourself is a key aspect of all of life. Didn't pass the test? Love yourself anyways. One of the things that my meditation teacher, Yashoda, who I had on the podcast recently, uh, told me in a phone call was to have unshakable grace. Unshakable grace for myself, for my friends, for acquaintances, for people on the street, for my family when I'm feeling very tested. Have unshakable grace. And I think for you, my dear friend, and my clients and all the listeners of this show and anyone listening, have unshakable grace for yourself. You're doing the best you can. The fact that you failed this test does not mean you, f- you are a failure. Very, very, very different. You are not a failure. And if you succeeded, friends, if you succeed at this thing, if you succeed at getting the date, if, if you succeed at getting the promotion, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have succeeded at life because are you, are you full of joy? Do you appreciate your beingness? Are you loving life? Are you playing? Are you having fun? Those are the measurements that I have for my own life because I can have those at any time. One of the biggest keys in creating metrics and values for your life, this is mentioned a lot in the subtle art of not giving a fuck, Um, is being able to have values in your life that are not based on these external circumstances. Having goals that are not based on things that are not within your control. So the amount of play that I have today and and infusing my life with pleasure, that is in my control, totally. That's very measurable. I can do that. But if my... If the way that I measure how good of a life I'm living is whether I'm accomplishing things and other people are accepting me, like let's say I had a nine to five job 
And my measurement of if I'm doing good at life, if I'm succeeding, if I'm deserving of self-love as if I get this promotion, that's up to someone else. That's a terrible way to have values in my life. I've, I, I, I believe that the best way to be able to measure if you're succeeding in life is always within your own control. Are you looking towards infusing your life with more play and more pleasure and more joy and, and only spending time with people that lift you up? That's all within your control. You are not in control of if you get this promotion. That's up to your boss. So why would you ever give someone else a test, a person, an event, an award, the power to tell you whether or not you're deserving of self-love? Now, on a practical side, I want to share something. I want to share something I always come back to. Let's say, so the first half of this, I really wanted to focus on having self-love no matter if you are, quote, succeeding in, in these accomplishments, in these missions and quests that you set for yourself. I'll be the first to admit that I love having goals. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to pass a test. And if your heart is set on it, I say keep going. There's two different sides to this. One side is being able to love yourself regardless, no matter what. So you failed a test. So the person you asked out on a date said no. You're still worthy. Rejection is God's protection. Maybe there's another lesson here that can be learned. That's why I said at the beginning of this, no experience is ever wasted if you learn something. So look for the good. Do look for the good. If you failed at it, maybe because there's something else going on in your life that needed more attention and more focus. Maybe you're learning a even bigger lesson in your life elsewhere. Maybe you're being tested in the game of life on patience, on stamina, endurance. How badly do you want this? Are you going to keep going? And this is why I love the story of Abe Lincoln. So I want to give you some insight into Dear Abe Lincoln's failures. Some of you may be familiar with this. Some of you may not. But you'll be surprised to hear that Abe Lincoln has failed a lot. Abe Lincoln failed most of his life until he finally succeeded. Now I'm reading this off of a website called Snopes, whatever, snopes.com. But this is all about Abe Lincoln. I'm just going to read it directly off here. So get ready to be inspired. Abraham Lincoln didn't quit. Probably the greatest example of persistence is Abraham Lincoln. If you want to learn about somebody who didn't quit, look no further. Born into poverty, Lincoln was faced with defeat throughout his life. He lost eight elections. Eight elections. Twice failed in business. Twice failed in business. And suffered a nervous breakdown. He could have quit many times, but he didn't. And because he didn't, he became one of the greatest presidents in the history of our country. Lincoln was a champion and he never gave up. Here is a sketch of Lincoln's road to the White House. 1816. His family was forced out of their home. He had to work to support them. 1818. His mother died. 1831. Failed in business. 1832. Ran for state legislature. Lost. 1832. Also, lost his job. Wanted to go to law school, but couldn't get in. 1833. Borrowed some money from a friend to begin a business, and by the end of the year, he was bankrupt. He spent the next 17 years of his life paying off his debt. 
17 years. 1834. Ran for state legislature again. Won. Yay. 1835. Was engaged to be married. Sweetheart died and his heart was broken. 1836. Had a total nervous breakdown and was in bed for six months. 1838. Sought to become Speaker of the State Legislature. Defeated. 1840. Sought to become Elector. Defeated. 1843. Ran for Congress. Lost. 1846. Ran for Congress again. This time he won. Went to Washington and did a good job. 1848. Ran for re-election to Congress. Lost. 1849. Sought the job of land officer in his home state. Rejected. 1854, ran for Senate of the United States, lost. 1856, sought the vice presidential nomination of his party's national convention, got less than 100 votes. 1858, ran for U.S. state again, lost again. 1860, elected president of the United States, you guys. That's crazy. That's insane. So, Think about this for a minute. Starting off his life, forced out of his home, mother died, failed in his first business, lost state legislature, Congress, elector, uh, speaker of the state legislature, nervous breakdowns, his babe died, bankrupt, paying off debt for 17 years. This man who has changed, who changed America, went through all of that to get to what he did. And then he ended up dying. He got shot. Okay, so it's a sad ending. But my point here is, is that good things, making a difference in this world, going after your dreams, they are hard things to accomplish. They come with trials. Sometimes the trials are not worth it. And you realize that because you're not excited about going after these things. That's what I want you to look at. That's the difference between going after something that has a lot of trials, but you keep going because you know it's meant to be and realizing that and the difference between that and realizing that there's a different path for you. Are you enjoying the process? That is key. Apparently, Abe Lincoln did. Apparently, Abe Lincoln did not want anything to get in his way because he kept going. I don't think he kept going because he felt that he had to. I don't think he was doing that to check off boxes on, in his life. I think he had a very, very, very big mission and goal and longing and calling in this world. He knew there was something he needed to accomplish and it came from a place of love and direction and it was fueled by wanting to change this world, something bigger than him. And he did not let these failures keep him. He did not, if, if he did, it would have probably happened all the way at the beginning of his story when his mom died or he got bankrupt or he failed at that first business. He would have stopped then. He would have gone, gone on a different path, something that did bring him joy. Because the, the reason why we are here on this earth is to, to experience pleasure and joy and dare I say, bring heaven on earth, make the world a better place. Abe Lincoln kept going because he felt all those things even in the midst of failure. That's the key. Now, I don't know Abe personally, but when I look at his timeline and I read about him, this all becomes very clear and apparent. He kept fighting. He kept fighting for his mission in this world because it felt right. 
sometimes I have asked myself, how do I know the difference between this isn't working out so it's not meant to be and this isn't working out so I need to keep going and, and, and proving to myself and the universe that this is what I want. It's the feeling I get. It's the feeling I get. Now, I'll be honest with you. The first couple of retreats that I hosted were not filling up quickly, easily. I had seen other people host retreats and they just filled up effortlessly or so I thought. And I kept wondering to myself, how do I know? Maybe, maybe retreats just aren't in the cards for me. Because if they are in the cards for me, wouldn't it happen easily? Wouldn't people be filling up my retreats? They're, they're going to be wonderful. These retreats are going to be fun. They're going to be life-changing. They're going to meet soul sisters that they're going to have forever. Who doesn't want to be here? Right? I would have those thoughts and I'd be so frustrated. Why is it not filling up? Why is it such a struggle? I would cry because I was feeling so nervous about these retreats not going the way that I wanted them to go. Maybe there'd be six people instead of eight. Maybe there'd be eight people instead of 12. But for me, what it really turned out is I kept going. I kept wanting to do it because I loved retreats. I love retreats. And I wanted to find different tactics and ways to relate to people and to talk to people in order to help them feel comfortable about coming to the retreats. And I did more studying, I did more deep diving, I did more learning, I went to trainings, I got coaching on this, and I found different ways that work so much better than what I was originally doing. Even though my new methods look totally different from what the marketing world says to do. So I just tried a different approach. And not only did it become easier to fill my retreats, but I started to get the, the right women in the retreats. I started to slow down and every single woman that I accepted into retreat, I really asked myself, is, is she in integrity with what I'm trying to create here? Do I feel like I'm in integrity by bringing her into this retreat? Do they feel aligned? I increased the the value, the, the, the worthiness of my retreats and I took it more seriously and, and who I accepted in, instead of just accepting everyone and anyone, I said, this is a, this retreat is sacred. And my vision for it is, is real and it is pure and it is potent and it is what I want to see come to life. And once I start taking the mission of the retreat, the goal, the vision very seriously and slowing down with each woman that was interested, the right women came always. And, and not to say that it wasn't the right collection of women in the earlier retreats, but I would say my mindset was definitely much more of scarcity than abundance. And so I tried different methods and it started to become more effortless. Not to say it isn't hard work because it totally is. And there are some aspects and, and things that once upon a time I would have considered a failure, but I don't see them as failures anymore. I see them as learning experiences. But my, the way that these, these things make me feel, retreats, and even now filling them, because filling them has become fun, which I think was probably the lesson that the universe wanted me to learn all along, is how do I create the experience of filling the retreats to be fun as well? Now I, I can see that it, it wasn't that it wasn't meant to be. It was just that I wanted to do it in a, in a way that was in more integrity with myself. So ask yourself, this thing that you're going after, this thing that you have already failed at, but you want to keep going with, whatever that is for you, a relationship, a, a job promotion, a school you want to get into, a business, selling a business, ask yourself, can you make the process of pursuing this quest more pleasurable, more fun? 
when you think about this quest, you automatically feel weighed down, unhappy. Is this quest something that you're doing simply because it feels like a box you need to check off in your life? Are you doing it simply to complete it? Like a book that you're really not enjoying, but you feel like you have to finish it in order to feel like you've accomplished something? Or are you doing it because it truly brings you pleasure and enjoyment? If it's the latter, you're going to be like Abe Lincoln. You're going to keep going. If it's the former, maybe that's a sign that the universe has bigger plans for you. And you're failing at something, not because you're not smart, not because you can't do it, not because you're not enough, not because you're not worthy. It's because there's something bigger. There's a, there's a bigger life and it doesn't mean that this bigger life comes with more money or more fame or a bigger position at a firm. What it really could mean is that there's a simpler life with more joy. Or it could be that there's a bigger life. You're going to be a famous singer with joy too. The partner of your dreams. I have no idea what's in store for you. But every single, quote, failure is a learning experience. All you have to do is make sure you take the time to look at what you learned. If you bypass it, yeah, not good. If you bypass the learning and you just focus on the fact that you failed at something, you're not going to feel like you got anything out of that experience. And it's going to be very, very hard to pick yourself back up. But if you can take a step back and see how it happened, why it happened for you, which won't always happen immediately. It could take a while. You will be able to see that surrendering is not a sign of weakness. Surrendering is a sign of accepting. Rejection is God's protection. I say this on so many podcasts because it's so true. Anytime you feel that you've been rejected or you have failed at something, it is protection. Maybe you're not ready to step up to the plate and whatever it is that you're chasing after. And that's not to say that it's not because you're wise or smart enough yet. Maybe it's because there's something else in your life that just needs more attention. Before you get that promotion in California, you have something else that needs to be completed and worked on when you're in Ohio. Before this relationship ends and you are single and on your own, you have another lesson you need to learn in this relationship on how to communicate or how to open and be vulnerable, whatever it may be. So the last thing I'll leave you with is that if you fear failure and you fear rejection, I want to give you a homework assignment. Your homework assignment is to check out rejection therapy. Rejection therapy is where you purposefully try to get rejected. It's for people who fear rejection to strengthen your rejection muscle. It's genius. So here are some really, really easy ways to begin practicing rejection therapy that I just triple, double, triple, double, triple dog dare you or triple, double dog dare you to try this week. One thing you can do that's so easy. Next time you are at Starbucks, ask if you can get 5% off from your coffee. Just do it. Remember, the goal is to get rejected. So you win if they say no. And then you get that warm flush feeling in your face and your chest that you feel whenever you get rejected and you're embarrassed and then it goes away and you realize you're still alive. You're still okay. You're still worthy of love. But rejection therapy is all about doing these things to get rejected, to strengthen that muscle so that 
on a bigger scale when there's failure involved or fear of, of failure around, you have that muscle that has been trained so you can be in the face of failure and still know you will be okay. And knowing that you'll be okay in the face of failure allows you to take bigger risks because you don't have anything to lose. You know that you're not less worthy if you fail at something. So by increasing the amount of risks you take in your life, you increase the opportunity for growth and for, for more expansion, maybe more joy, maybe more money. Because risks are typically involved with anything good, with creating a relationship, with going after a dream. There's always going to be risks. So that's one idea. Go to Starbucks, ask for 5% off, try to get rejected. If you win, yay, you're strengthening your muscle. If you lose and you get the discount, well, cool, you don't have to pay as much money for your coffee. Another thing you can ask is if you go to the gym, ask for if they have any free samples of protein bars. Just say, oh, I love these bars. Do you have any free samples? You can also do that at Whole Foods. I heard a rumor that you can taste and try anything you want at Whole Foods. Just go ask an employee, hey, I want to try these cookies. Can you open a package? Try it. Rejection therapy, Google it, look it up. I will put a link to it on the show notes for this episode so you can learn more about it. This is episode 188. Lastly, as I mentioned in last week's episode, I created a free list for you of my 100 plus favorite books. These include financial abundance books, body image books, building your own business, the divine feminine and masculine. If you're so overwhelmed and confused about this topic and you want to know where to go, go there. This is a collection of 100 plus of my favorite books. I highly recommend you grab it. It's absolutely for free. You don't have to do anything besides put in your email to get it. So go to maddiemoon.com slash free gift. Scroll down, you'll see my 100 free PDF ebook. So grab that. Let me know how you like it. I would love to hear how you like the collection. And if you get a book, just put it on your Instagram and tag me in it. Tag me at at Madeline Moon and let me know which book you got because I would love to see what you're reading on this venture. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I would love to hear your thoughts. If you want to comment on it, you can go to the show notes for this maddiemoon.com this is episode 188 and if you have more topics that you want me to cover you can go to the mind body musings podcast tribe group and facebook and join us there where we do facebook lives and we chit chat and we have a great time would love to see you guys there and i will see you very soon 